Good evening, everybody, and today is the 5th of May. 5th of May. And the 10th day of our Q&A. And we have so many questions, heartbreaking situations. We don't feel good when we go through this every day because it's all, believe me, coming from Christians, many of them who've been in the church for years together, not our church. By the way, all these are coming from those, those questions that have come in from Hyderabad have come in from other churches and many of them are from abroad, are come from new believers, but serious issues of life and uh, we again pray, Lord, give us wisdom, discernment and I personally look back and it's like Joseph saying, Whatever happened in his life, he looked at it as evil, but God meant it for good. And I look back and I see God took me through a pathway, which I didn't understand then why this was all happening. But now I look back and I realize it was to give me a ministry which could really reach out and touch the broken, the abused. And that's practically what we've been doing all these years. In all our churches, wherever God has given us churches around the world, is full of broken people. And I believe I had to go, my wife had to go that route first before we could become vessels to be used in his hands, in his vineyard. So a lot of things we understand only in retro retrospect. So I want to encourage all the dear ones, especially sisters who are going through a really, really rough time, Hang in there. God is with you. God is for you. Don't give up. And in retrospect, one day you will see that God used you. Your wounds, your pains, your scars. God will make you a testimony. But at this hour, I would ask you to hang in there. And also generally to the church. Let me tell you. I'm not prophesying. I'm telling you. I'm not telling you GDC. I'm telling you to the church and wide because I know so many people from different denominations are logged in and listening. If you were not equipped and built for a time and a season like this, at the end of this lockdown is over, so many families will truly break up. They, you will separate. Wives will leave with the children. A lot of things will happen because... Let me tell you, whole marriage was a lie. It wasn't true. Yes, you got married in church. Yes, you made your covenants, your vows and everything, but nothing was true. Like God told about the Israelites, you, you flatter me with your lips. Your hearts were far away from you. And this lockdown has revealed exactly who, what was hidden. The violent, abusive husbands have been revealed. Wives also, sadly, in most cases, they are victims. And I'm telling you, God doesn't do a miracle. Once this is the only reason so many of you are together is only because of the enforcement from the government that you cannot leave. But sooner or later it will happen if you don't go to God and really repent and ask for forgiveness and ask for healing. It will take place and I hope you listen and you go to God. 
So this evening, before we go into the questions, first we'll deal with a couple of questions from the children. Because children also have questions and they want answers. And we'll answer their questions. And after that, parents, put away your children to something that is healthy. Because many of the questions they need, they and the answers they don't need to hear and know. It's very painful. And it's personal family stuff that is happening. So we'll deal with the children first and then we will go to the other serious issues. And if some of your questions have not been answered yet, please remember we are, we are prioritizing also the very serious ones and dealing with it within the time frame we have. Tomorrow, of course, we do not have Q&A. It's regular midweek service. So before we go to the questions, let me once again pray. Father, we just come to you. We all need wisdom from above, Lord. Such delicate situations, O oh Lord. Marriages, homes, people, lives hanging on the balance. Even tonight, so many are suicidal, deep in depression, just want to give up, kill themselves. But Father, you are the author of life. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. So even as we deal with these questions, and these are not questions for an exam, these are questions that are dealing with situations that is happening right now. I pray the power of God would reach out and touch these dear ones, give them strength, pull them back from that brink, set their feet on the rock. These are things, O oh God, only you can do, Father. We can only speak. We do not have the power to deliver. That's only with you, Lord. So, Father, I pray that they will experience the power of the Holy Spirit in their homes, healing and deliverance and restoration, Lord. We put our hope and our trust completely in you, Lord Jesus. And we surrender this time into thy hands. Be with us and be with this dear ones, O Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay, it's yours. So we'll start with the little ones. One one young man has a question. Oh. So he says, I have a question. What will happen to newborn babies when during the rapture? They will go. If there is a rapture, always open to debate, depending upon which theologians you choose to believe or how you read your Bible. I will always leave it open. I don't want to fight with eschatologists. So I leave it open, and if there is rapture, newborn babies, don't worry. They will be raptured. <laughs> I, God loves babies more than any one of us, so he will, of course, I believe, take them. And then, of course... And the so parents may be left behind. The newly delivered mothers, if they are not uh, rapture-worthy, they will be left behind. They just would have gone through the pain of labor without the joy of holding the baby. Oh, okay? Boy. And the baby will be taken to God. Yes. And the next question is, um, uh, why can't Lucifer repent? <laughs> because like I said, they were spiritual spirit beings. I'd answer this similar kind of a question. Because angelic hosts are spirit beings and not of material body. We worship God by faith. They worshiped God by sight. So when they fell, and uh, there is no repentance for them. They are immediately warped and they go become more and more and more and more evil. So we are glad we were not made as spirit beings. We are made in 
physical bodies so that we can repent and get better and better and then be caught with him one day. Another young man asks, uh, in my class there is a girl. Ah, ah, this is a little boy. I don't think even he's crossed 12 years. It's 10 or 11 only. She said that she wants to be my girlfriend. Oh, oh run for your life, young man. Thank, I think that city was locked down for your sake. God wanted to protect you. And he locked down that whole city. But I do not know what God will say. What should I, what should I do? God will say, run for your life. <laughs> run for your life, young man. Don't you even dare go that route. Okay? Hallelujah. Call her sister. And see if she will run from you or not. The best way to get rid of a girl. Okay, say, hello sister, how are you? Okay? Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. Alright, Pastor, so we'll have uh, simpler questions first, Pastor. Okay. Um, if we tell lies every day, small, small lies to children, mm. only so they don't get addicted to TV and games. Mm. I tell them there is a virus in that. <laughs> So they throw and run. <laughs> Is that bad? But I ask Jesus to forgive me. God bless you, Pastor. Don't yeah. feel bad. I ask so many questions. Okay. We are not mentioning the name here, but these are all very new converts and from another faith. To the dear parents, which I tell you, is that you're all very new, very young. So the thing is that um, the entire principle of parenting is that the children are taught to obey. And when children are small and when they are taught to obey, they do not have to be given a reason why they need to obey. Hmm. They don't need to understand why they need to obey this particular thing. Because parents should be righteous and they are obedient to the Lord and they are trying to bring the child into the ways of God so it's modern psychology and the secular this thing which makes warps it the whole thing that we need to sit with our children and discuss all these things. No. As they grow we explain it, rather they will understand it themselves. Like we we do it for simple practical everyday things, but I don't know why we think for other things we need to explain. Like when our children were growing up we never took them to a dentist and asked him to do a video pre- presentation why they should brush their teeth. We just told them, brush your teeth and do it. That's it. Lord of stuff. Why should I eat carrots? Why should I eat vegetables? Just do it. That's it. We are all eating. You also do it. So we do not allow, uh, we, we are not questioning their questioning, which is, if it is a natural question or a curiosity, that's fine. But if it is a, uh, like God does not have issues with our, our questions as long as it is not defiance. Mm. Okay, you need to understand the difference. So when a child asks a question out of curiosity, it's fine as long as it can be explained. But if it defiance, no. Defiance should. So once we have trained our child that way, then it is very easy for parents to say, no, that's it. This is your time. This is what you will watch. 30 minutes. And after that, it is off. And if you go beyond 30 minutes, you don't listen to me. For one week, you don't get it. You don't get it. So once you put it that way, parents don't have to lie. So I understand, sister, where you are coming from. and But don't be too hard on yourself because you are all very young believers. I remember 
years back uh, when I preached in the church about Rahab, I also remember it was Jeff, Brother Allen's son, who came to me after that and said, wasn't Rahab lying when she hid the two spies? And how come God didn't judge her? I said, Rahab is a Canaanite prostitute. She's not under the law. She does not even know the law. So everybody is judged according to where they are at that point. Okay, so so it was, I thought it was a very perspective question. So each one, please remember, we need to know God and his ways more and more and more. But a lot of things which we are ignorant, ignorant about, God says he will overlook these things for a season. But you have to grow. Amen. That's why ignorance is not an excuse because you, you can be destroyed because of your ex, uh, ignorance. Yes. Uh, so and don't feel bad that you ask so many questions. Keep on asking. Let it come. Flow from the deserts of Arabia. Let these questions keep coming. Amen. We just love you. And we are really, really glad that you all come to the Lord and growing in faith. And we will keep, of course, your identity will be with us. So, uh, some questions related to money matters, Pastor. Oh, which is? So, this is question number four. Four, okay. Yes. Having debt is okay if you have money. If you have the money to pay it off, right? Mm. But with debt, especially to buy a house or a car, you do pay interest. Is that called usury? I say, usury was something that is in the old covenant. New covenant, it, it doesn't basically, we are not under the letter of the law. So even to my own church, when I tell them is that, you see, God is not primarily talking about a loan, which you know very well you can repay. And yes. sometimes, like even in the Indian system, let me tell you, sometimes when you are an employee with a private company or a government of whatever it is, and uh, it is sometimes good to take a housing loan because you save on your tax. Tax, income tax. Tax, yes. because government gives you exemptions on certain kinds of loans. Not car loans, but definitely housing loans they give you. So actually you are saving and not spending. Okay, so as long as it's within you, I mean, God is not condemning you, but always remember, ask this primary question, do I need it? Yes, I need it. Two, do I have the capacity to repay it back? Yes, I have. And I will always say that depending upon your income, I'm just giving you not a holy scriptural advice, practical advice how I work it out is that if you look at your income, and the bank says uh, 72 EMIs, but you think you can pay it in 36, go for 36. Because the faster you get out debt, you feel good. Amen. Amen. The Bible says, oh, owe no, no man anything, anything except the debt, debt of love. love. Like we had, uh, we have this three-month moratorium, which governments ask banks about EMIs. That is uh, May, April, May, and June. Uh, so without without my consent, the bank was trying to give it to me. So I, and out of the blue, the relationship manager called me and I said, "No, I do not want a moratorium." He said, "Just take it out of my account. That EMI should go because I know you guys. You'll give us three months off and then add that interest also on the fourth month." You guys will think you are doing us a favor, but banks never do you favor. Mm. Okay, so just take it off. It's there. Just take it out. Okay, so <laughs> otherwise you will end up actually thinking, oh, three months I don't have to pay. Fourth month onwards, you'll pay through your nose. So always be wise when it comes to money matters. 
So another question related to the money matters, Pastor. Question yeah. number five. Mm. If I have borrowed money from a friend and my friend says, take your time to pay it off, is that okay to keep a debt pending? Both friends have no problem. Is it wrong in God's eyes? Both my friends are not in a hurry. They say pay back when you have it. So am I sinning against God? No, you are not. It's between friends. It is called friendship. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I would, if your friends are listening to me, I will say, go even more friendly and write it off. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, write it off. That's what we all do. So many we have written it off. You don't even bother about asking it because it's all in the family. That's if you're all believers and you all are then, then okay. But it's up to you. You don't, you are not sinning again. Don't go nitpick, okay? We do not live by the letter of the law. We live by the spirit of the law and when the spirit is Lord, there is always liberty. Okay, Pastor. So now, uh, go to six, question number six. Six, exactly. That. I'm going oh, to, you got a question number six. I'm going to read question number six. It's a very interesting question. Oh, that's from one of my firstborn Arab Christian babies from the U.S. She wrote after so many child is one of my kids. Okay. Why are we ladies always struggling with wanting attention? We seek attention all the time. Why? Is is it low self, self-esteem or is it negative attention? I don't want to know what a man says. I want to know what God, what does God say about this. Okay. But a man will try to say <laughs> what God says about it. Okay. Okay, child. I'm not even mentioning your name, okay? Couple of things I want to look at you is this. We go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. 3.16. When God is pronouncing judgment because of the fall that took place in the garden, the first judgment will come upon the enemy, Satan or the serpent there. Second, it comes upon the woman and then upon the land. Okay, If you look at it technically, you will see man directly is not condemned. But to the woman, because she is the one who started it, this is what he says to the woman. I will greatly increase your pains in child. Okay, let me read from what's there. Okay. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your con- and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Two things you will see was short-circuited because of the fall of man. That especially for the women. And one is that she will always have issues with her husband. It will. It was supposed to be complementing each other. Instead it would become a competition and a husband would rule over, exercise dominion over her. Now this is actually a judgment pronounced from which we are set free in Christ Jesus. Okay, please understand we are set free in Christ Jesus. So all godly husbands who are listening, please say, oh, it is written, so I have to exercise dominion over you. No, that's not what it means. It means this was a curse pronounced, which you are set free in Christ Jesus. So, in Christ Jesus, the husband, husband, uh, what is that? He loves his wife and exercise loving dominion. Mm-hmm. Okay, and she lovingly submits. But there is something over there which is there in our nature. Your desire will be always for your husband, meaning you will always seek attention. You will always seek attention. Then if you go to First Peter, I'll give you three verses. First Peter 3, 7. 
Okay, three seven. Husbands likewise deal with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. So God already see when God says something, He is the creator, He is the manufacturer. Mm. So what He tells is the truth, whether you like it or not. He says the woman has been created differently from man. Meaning she is the weaker vessel. And we would ask in which way is a woman weaker? It's not just talking about physically. Generally, yes, the woman is weaker physically. But also emotionally, the woman is weaker. The woman is more emotions. And now with all the junk that is happening and the uh, unisex movement and all this happening, that is why you see the effect on men too, the emasculation of men. And you see children growing up, boys growing up, and they are more feminine and all, because it's all part of the one world globalist agenda to create a unisex kind. But generally speaking, what God is talking about here, you need to realize, women are emotional. That's how we created. That's why headship is not given to a woman. Headship is gone, given to a woman. Because woman will be either one way or other. Either she will be very hard or she will be very soft. So some of the toughest world leaders we have seen were women. Hmm. Golda Meir in Israel, Margaret Thatcher in Britain, and Indira Gandhi in India. And they were unbelievably tough. Unbelievably tough. Because that's the way a woman is. She will be either when she they used to say 500 women and one man in the Indian parliament. Okay, and the 500 uh, women were the men, <laughs> and one man was she, and she was tough. She was she was called the and one was called Iron. the Iron Lady of Britain, the and the Sian Srimao Bandaranaik in uh, Sri Lanka, because that's the issue. They they will go either one this way, or they will flip over to other side. That is why leadership positions are. God has not given it to women, though the secular system has come in, and because it it affects governance. It affects governance. So you will always see one of the two things happening is, because I'm trying to explain to you so you will have the ramifications of it. Children who grow up under under uh, single mothers, single mothers, if they are girls, they grow up very hard and they become very hard women. And if they are boys, they become very soft boys or rebels. Because the father was missing in the entire picture. Because that was never God's format. You look at some of the women leaders in the Bible, Athalia and Jezebel, they were nasty. unbelievably more nasty and more brutal than men. Because women was created in a different pattern altogether by God and was supposed to be honored as a weaker vessel. Okay, And what happens is, the entire world system, psychology, psychiatry, demonic, everything has come together and we are trying to make men out of women mm. and women out of mm. men. So there is so much confusion with this gender. This is the gender confusion that is happening. And what will happen is that God's original order will never change. So it is only natural the, the girl... Wants attention. Six for attention. She wants attention. And it will be uh, like what you say. Uh, it is not self-esteem or negative attention. It is genuinely something that God has created 
for uh, and if you leave the boys and the girls together uh, separately you will see girls will go with things that require attention and which is very feminine and the boy will go the other way and god made them that way and they deserve that attention so our girl children the fathers give them that attention and they treat them completely different when i was growing up i never used to understand why my father never spanked the daughters and i thought it was not fair because when they did the same thing, they didn't get it. I did the same thing. I got twice so much. So once I asked him, I said, why don't you smack them? He said, because they are my daughters. They are not my sons. Daughters shouldn't be spanked. Okay? Shouldn't be spanked. Okay? So he always treated his daughters differently from the sons. So that is the kind of attention the Bible is talking about. And if that is the way I'm willing, that during the millennial reel, you will see women will be women, men will be men, and the honor we give to each other will be completely different. And the fact that... Uh, Hallelujah. But also you will see if you go to another place in the Bible so that this young child of mine, she's in her 20s, not so young, in her 20s. Okay. <clears throat> if you go to First Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 onwards, 11 to 15. Let's go by... Verse by verse. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. This is basically what he is talking about. Why? Because, because of the nature God has created woman. He says, I don't want you to exercise authority over man. Why? Because you will see the reason. God gives you the reason. Verse 13. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. First he talks about order of creation. There is an order of creation. The one that comes first has precedence over the one that comes second. So man was created first and the woman was created second. Then he gives a spiritual reason. Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. What does that mean? A woman, because of her emotional makeup, that's how God created her, full of emotions. And we need that emotions in our family. You look at a child, when the child is fallen um, sick, the child wants the mother. No mother. If that was a proper kind of a family. And the mother, you will see, have lots of patience with the baby. All that the mother has. So the motherly nature comes. So that is a feminine. And But the issue also with emotions is that those who are very emotional, it's easy to deceive them. Hmm. Easy to deceive them. Adam was not deceived, but the woman was being deceived. And the devil knows that. That's why the devil did not go to Adam. He went to Eve. Eve. And he flattered her nicely and said, you know, if you eat that, you will be like God, good for wisdom. And she fell for it. Mm. She fell for it. The woman. So God is saying the woman is, because she is emotional, she is more susceptible to deception than a normal man. A normal man. And that's one of the reasons about headship given to man. And not a woman. But when the whole system is gone wonky, where men are like women and women are like men, then of course, the, you have to understand the devil's agenda. But there is something in verse 15 which will God. We'll go back to what we read. We don't go back to there in words, uh, Genesis 3.16, but he puts in something over there. Nevertheless, she'll be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with self-control. So to all the women he is talking about, especially those who are mothers, you will say that. When I said, 
I'm not mean I. When God said the wise woman builds her home, he says, you're not talking about your salvation as getting redeemed from the penalty of sin. No, he's not talking about that. He says, in your sanctification process, in your growing in your salvation, I have put motherhood right there over there. As you build your home, you will grow in your salvation. That's why I have given you the home. Because you will need unbelievable patience and prayer life to raise up these children. You will need me. And as you contend with this, your husband is not there to help you. That will be one of your major issues. You'll always, why is he not? He was there to bring forth this baby. Why is he there not to help me with these children? So you will realize you will have to lean on me. In the process, I will work salvation in you. You will become kind. You will become patient. You will get long-suffering. All the things that are the, the fruit of the Spirit, I will work in you and through you during this entire process of motherhood. So he says, nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing. Mm. So now what is happening is that women don't grow in that at all because they are not in the home. Mm. In the home. And they are very, very frustrated in their workplaces. And what has happened to the man in the workplaces, let me ask you honestly, sisters, it's between you and your husband, whether you go to work and all. But I'm just telling you general principles which I see in the kingdom of God and I see what has happened in the world. All the work rules in the government and the private sector has been changed only because the women went to work. Yes. Isn't that true? True. Before that, there was only one set of rules because it was men and men. Everything has been changed. Now, after that, another thing came which brought us civil liberties, which is not civil rights because it was a choice. You were not born that way. You had the... uh, uh, homosexual lobby coming in. Now more rules are being changed because to fit them into the workplace. Now transgenders will come in. More laws will be changed to fit them into the workplace. Okay. So you will realize how the enemy is changing the laws and who is the one who is being pressed into the corner which God still works men. through it. It is the straight men. men, straight men yeah. The straight men. Not the crooked men, but the straight mm-hmm. men. They will be pressed. But God said, okay, I will work through it all so that you will become even more straighter. Hallelujah. You will learn how to deal with the women with honor, how to show compassion. Don't outwardly show it because they don't want your compassion. They will be hostile. But how to treat everybody fairly, I will, tr- I will work out your salvation also in the workplace. So we have to understand. So all the sisters who are listening, I would always say, be like women. Because if you, because you know, our world is a different world. Okay, in the kingdom of God, of course, we have changed. But before that, we cursed, <laughs> we beat up each other, and we became friends after five minutes. But you try to become, look like a man in a man's world, and yet you want to be treated like a lady, you will find it's very difficult for us. We will, you don't want to be treated like a man. Do not want to be treated like a man. So I will always tell my dear sisters and daughters, when you go to your workplace, dress like women, act like women. So they will treat you with honor like a woman. Honor like a woman. You do not want to be treated like a man. You don't want to be treated like a man. Honestly, you don't want to be treated. And so many. See, when I travel to different, different places, and at the airports, in especially in the international, like, you no, know, like I'm very conservative in my thinking still. But I look at those places, airports, where you have these bars, where you can buy domestic, usually they don't allow, but international. 
And I have noticed something that 9 out of 10 passengers who are drinking are women. Like for me it was like shocking. It's not like men drinking. All of them drinking over there are women. They're all women who are drinking. So I could understand what, are, are they trying to become like men? Are, are these women really struggling in their workplaces to cope up with the pressure and the depression and you know, all that that is happening? Almost every international airport, when I pass by that places where they sell alcohol, most of the customers sitting there were women. And I was thinking, oh Lord, is this what it did to your children? These are your daughters. These are your daughters. You know, these are your daughters. How did they all end up this thing over there? So, please. So, that's my answer to you, that God created you special, remain special. A similar question. We are not special. We are hard. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, don't become like us. Similar question is question number seven. Mm. I notice we are very insecure at all times. Even though we pray, we are still insecure. Why? Some of us cry at the drop of a hat. What's up with that? Yes, we are the weaker vessels, always doubting our friends, our husbands, questioning each and everything. I hate that in women, including myself. Will we ever be women after God's own heart? I know there are men like that, but women, is it possible? Yes, it is possible. But again, insecurity has been created by the environment that has changed the world in pushing forward this agenda called equality. See, let me talk about women's equality. I will tell you I'm not a, what you call, misogynist, but I don't believe in women's and this equality simply because, not that I don't believe in equality, you cannot compare two dissimilar substances. Mm. Like if you were to ask me, is a jeep and the car equal? I will say, no, they are two different. They are completely different. They are used for two different purposes. Right? A jeep and a car or a truck and a bus. No. The only thing common is they both have, even the engines are different. So when you're pushing for equality of two different people who have been made completely different, so many ways differently, outwardly, inwardly, everything they are different. Woman is different, man is Mm. different. So when you're trying to push for equality, you're pushing for something which God never intended. And it will create a crisis until Jesus Christ comes. Until Jesus Christ comes. And the pressure is always upon, like I said, if it's a, if an unbeliever and an unbeliever is married, the pressure is always upon the believer because he has the rules which he has to follow, which he knows his God has spoken. The unbeliever is free. I don't care for your rules. So the believer always is under pressure. In the same way when there is a man and a woman, and the woman is trying to be like a man, the problem is a man is always under pressure because a stronger is always under pressure. So all the laws are aimed at the stronger. You change, you change, you change, you change so that we can fit this into the society. But remember, women was meant to be secure only with man. You need to realize man was made first and he was made alone. Man did not, it was God who said it is not good for man to be alone. Okay, so man was secure when he was, and we do not know how long it was after man was created that the woman was created. But one, the woman was created from man. From man. So woman was never supposed to exist apart from man. That's the way God created. So the insecurity is 
breeding even more in women today because the world system is telling women you should be separate from man. God never said. You'll always, like when a, when a daughter was born, you go through the entire Old Testament, her head was her father. And when she got married, her name was associated with her husband. So that she would be always secure that with the father and the husband was supposed to bring that security for that woman. And therefore you were made that way. But now all these things have been taken out and the world is full of fatherless homes and violent, abusive husbands. What is happening is uh, you're becoming more and more insecure. And then when you go to the workplace, because there is a movement fighting for equality, then you have to perform like a man, act like a man, dress like a man, talk like a man. And I know in your IT sectors and all, if you have smoking rooms, you see the women also smoking there. They're all smoking, they're all drinking, they all dress like that, they talk like that, they curse like that, they use the language like that. And you know, realized what? Whatever you try to look and be like a man, you will struggle inside because you're going away from the image in which God created you. God created you image. He created you special. You are the final creation of man. You were created after everything was over. After you are the only creation of God which he created in his rest. Mm. Everything else was created the sixth day and then God rested. And if God broke his rest to do something, it was the creation of woman. So you need to realize you are not like man. You are not like man. God created you separate. And you are meant to be secure only with your father and with your husband. And the problem is the world system has warped the image of man, emasculated the man. There are hardly any fathers left. They are all run away from their homes. And they have been emasculated in their own homes. And the daughters, and so in the Christian homes, we have to revert back to God's husband. Gentle, kind, but men who are men, and feminine females. That's what Bible talks about, Sarah, a quiet and a gentle and a meek spirit. The problem is, if you act like men, you will never receive the sympathy and the kindness and the attention that you need, how God made you as a woman. Mm. You know, if you are, so, honestly, men like crying wives. They don't mind wives who cry. Because they expect that to be. They don't like hard wives. So they don't know how to handle them. Because they are used to hard men. They are not used to hard women. And you need to have soft wives and tough men so that the children have both images. You have a hard man and a hard woman, you will have hard children. They need to see both sides. Both sides. That has to be. Please don't change God's Images. So don't worry. If you cry, it is fine. But at the drop of a hat, <laughs> you shouldn't be crying. But sometimes, let me tell you, child, I'm a father and a husband. It's your seasons. You know, the estrogen count goes up and down. No? So sometimes during that time, you feel like crying. It's okay. When you're pregnant, again, your hormones go up and down. That's okay. When you're post-pregnancy, post-delivery, again, you go through all those phases. It is okay. We understand. At least I understand. Okay. Other men also, please understand. Don't jump when they go through that phases. Okay. That is why once a month they have to go through that cycle. 
that's a cycle in which we never pedaled okay that's one cycle man never pedaled we will never understand that cycle so when they go through that phase please ask them are you and then be very gentle with them and for those men who are older like me when your women do not have that cycle when they are put the brakes meaning men oh pause it is worse it is worse they have their hot flushes and they go crazy for days together men cool cool okay i'll tell you a story a real story one of my senior pastors one day called me and said pastor i do not know what happened to my wife she's gone crazy i said what happened she's not allowing me to go out of the house at all he said i cannot go for ministry you have to stay with me she was never like this pastor i am very worried pastor because my children are very old do you think she is pregnant pastor i said pastor don't worry just go to your local gynec and just check it out i'll tell you she's probably hit menopause okay she's probably hit menopause and when they hit menopause they go like this one week later he called me and said thank you thank you pastor she is reached whatever pause you said <laughs> and whatever pause you said she's reached there and the doctor also told me they will go through this phases i said okay pastor don't worry okay god made them differently they will go through these phases and so my dear honey over there okay so you will you will doubt your friends your husbands you will question everything because it's all hormonal balances okay and because you go through this and god made you that way you are still a woman after god's own heart amen okay you are still a woman after god's own heart Okay. So we'll go to question number nine. I hope men understood what I said. Yes. Okay, many men are dumbos in these things. <laughs> They have no clue about these things at all. <laughs> okay, mm. question number nine, Pastor. Mm. It's a slightly off topic, so that really just cool down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, we shall cool down a little. <laughs> there are young husbands who want to cool down <laughs> because they know they'll be at the hearing end after this. <laughs> Why did you, Pastor, have to say this? Now I will never hear the end of it. Okay, question number okay. nine. Yeah. Starting stage <laughs> when I got baptized I heard the voice of God in my ears very clearly but now I'm unable to hear the voice but God is speaking in the word but not with voice what shall I do to hear the voice of God again but that is the way you grow okay when we were all young in the Lord things were very clear because we were children we were children so God spoke miracles happened we asked something in the prayer immediately we got it and when you are a child in the lord like we do with our children okay like uh, my child were to ask me you no know, when you come will you bring me my chocolate and i said okay no problem never say why do you want the chocolate it's bad for your teeth nothing okay and if by near the doorstep you forget you still go back and buy and come because that's how you deal with children mm. but when you grow older in the lord he wants you to learn to walk by faith that's the actual walking he have to train you to walk by faith and that comes from the word that comes from the word he wants you to hear him through the word otherwise what happens if you only go by hearing without the word that's how deception comes yes and the tv is full of deceptive preachers who will keep on coming and telling you the lord told me and there's a whole lot of people fall for it because when they listen to what he's saying they don't know their word they don't know their word at all they don't know their word at all and they get deceived so god is protecting you by not speaking it to you that way otherwise you will get deceived 
because you need to know your word very well and if god is speaking through you to you through the word that's the safest way and he will speak to you also otherwise when it, there is a need yes so question number 10 pastor my question. yes that is from bhutan my mm. question is this <laughs> living together before marriage being sure they will get married in the future for christians is this according to the word of god or not it's not it is not it's called living in sin <laughs> okay and Bhutanese children i understand you i empathize with you because bhutan is one of those places uh, strangely okay they are not immoral they are immoral they are not moral they are immoral mm. i mean that's the way the culture was so they did, they do not even really have a concept about what is right and wrong wrong no so children grow families were never strong family bonds were never strong it was a different kind of a society cut away from the rest of the world so that spirit has uh, permeated into the church too and children all struggle with that over there but i'm telling you child no you need to stop it you need to get out otherwise you you will your marriage will fail your marriage will fail so you need to stop you cannot live together it is called living in sin one is called adultery post marriage the other is called fornication and both is under judgment by god so repent forsake renounce confess you're forgiven and you can move on but i would say why don't you get married hmm. it's not difficult in bhutan to get married get married okay pastor yes the similar question is question number 3 pastor 3 yeah if your wife dies you can marry question okay this is from the kangaroo nation yeah it's the same with your husband but if the person you are going to marry is divorced what if my friend is single and i'm divorced we want to marry in church does the church have a right to deny us getting married we could get married in court but what if we want to get married in church Okay let me tell you I dealt with this subject a couple of days back about divorce remarriage and let me tell you that three cases and I believe one that was one of the most balanced okay about marriage and divorce and remarriage the first case is where we looked where one person is guilty of sexual immorality is unwilling to repent and to come back so there god allows divorce and allows the innocent party to get married but the other party anyway is not even bothered so he or she also will go and get married if they want to but i'm talking you to what god's word says then uh, when marriage and divorce took place before you got saved so don't feel condemned if you are married a second time because second corinthians 5:17 puts the precept if any man or woman is in christ jesus it's an entirely new beginning new creation and the third case scenario was in the corinthian church which happens all over india all over the unbelieving world where you married and got saved and then one person is a believer the other is not an uh, is an unbeliever and the unbelieving spouse chooses to leave then you are not bound these three scenarios are there so you have to go by case by case so i will not make a judgment about this i will say you have to look at your own cases and see if you fit in and then you get married then about the church getting married in a church okay this is one of the lessons god taught me many 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 years ago i'll tell you the principle okay doesn't 
talking about not about marriage or divorce or any, but principle when dealing with church. Once in a very hardline Pentecostal pastors conference, one evening I was called to be the main speaker. It was it's one of the toughest Pentecostal groups in India. So they had their pastors come from all over in India and in that center. So I had no clue. So I went in and I went, they took me through the back because the worship was going on where the other senior pastors who all had come from other cities were there. So what happened was that I didn't know the, the old gentleman who was sitting there. I didn't realize he was one of their senior most overseers who had come from their branch in Rajasthan. He looked at me. He looked at my ring. And then he looked at me and said, if you were to wear this in my church, I will not give you communion. So I didn't realize this is a denomination that does not wear gold at all. So I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. So I preached. And after that I finished. I went back home. That night the Lord told me, (coughs) whenever you go to certain churches, and if you're called to speak a church like this, he said, it's not a question about whether it is right or wrong to wear a ring. If a particular church has a particular rule and you choose to go under their roof, take it off. Take it off. Hmm. Take it off. The reason he said is, son, remember you are my servant. You go to that church next Sunday and you preach and you're wearing this and you are preaching very animatedly. Half the women or people are looking at your ring. Because you're standing behind the pulpit and this church has a rule that we do not allow gold. Some of them will say, if the pastor can wear gold, I can also wear gold. So what did you do? You did not bring unity, you brought division. Mm. So it is not a question about whether it is right or wrong. Yes. Right or wrong. You have to go by the principle. When you go into a house, I said, he said, haven't you noticed in some places where you go, the churches don't allow footwear. So what do you do there? I said, I take my footwear off. Some places they allow footwear. What do you do? You go with your shoes. It's a simple principle. Is there anything wrong going with footwear? No. But if the church has a rule like that, then you take your footwear off. You have to always respect the rules they have. Otherwise, don't go there. So I will always say to this dear brethren who asked this question, you need to go and talk to the pastor. What is the rules of your church? And even if their rules are not biblical, don't fight them. If they say our rule is that we do not allow divorced couples to get married, Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Go get married in a court. Go get married in a court. If you believe that God is leading you to get married. But always honor the rules of whatever church it is. Otherwise, don't be part of it. Hmm. You cannot say that I will come into... You you wouldn't do it in a house. You wouldn't go to somebody's house and say, I don't care what your rules are. I will live. They will say, get out. Okay. So churches have their rules. Later one day, let God judge them whether their rules were right or wrong. But when you go into a, into a church, if you're planning to go into a church and be part of that church, then be very sure you will also obey their rules. That is the principle on which we operate. So I will not tell you what to do and what not to do in this case. First, go through scriptures which we have given you. Do I fit in that category of a remarriage? Second, should I marry this person? Ask of the Lord. Third, Go check with your pastor whether he will accept this or not. And then follow it up. That's how you do it. But wherever you go, don't create division. Okay, Pastor. So we're coming to some serious questions. Okay. 
Yes, Pastor Vijay. Let's go to serious questions. It's question number eight. I'm not uh, mentioning the background. Okay. Uh, X. We are treated like a toy. Men are nice, kind, but also drink a lot and smoke a lot. We get no rest. Only five hours a day. I have eight children, maids, everything, but my husband wants me at night only for sex. I feel like I'm a sex toy. I hate it. So many children. Now I'm fat. So I go to the doctor for weight loss, but I don't tell him. I know I should not lie, but he won't understand. I married him at 18. I have eight children every one and a half year. Do I have to tell him everything? Finally, he found out once we got saved and he told me to ask if I am right, wrong to lie. But he too never tells me everything. So why should I tell him? Okay. Okay, you are, uh, this is one of the dear sisters from the Middle East. So you understand uh, the Arabian Peninsula, let me put it that way. You come from the other faith. And I understand, uh, but this, these things are all deeply ingrained in your cultural makeup. And as you grow in the word, and I will tell you, the whole problem is, even in Christendom, a lot of people have a cultural makeup which is from the Old Testament, mm. and not the liberty of the New Covenant. You need to realize, a lot of men within the church too, have the cultural makeup of the law and not the cultural makeup which grace brings. So, what happens over here is, in your cultural makeup, you've been treated that way for a long time, because from the background you come and the religion you left, uh, you were toys. You were toys. Hmm. Honestly, you were toys. You were just things. And uh, they will try to say protection, honor and all, but that's all they do. But at the end of the day, they did not really value you as a person. And uh, men are nice, they're kind, uh, which, was, which was surprising because every time I went to the Middle East, I always looked at them and thought because of the Sharia, the law, I thought they were very, very strict adherents of the law. But I didn't realize that so many of them used to smoke. Like you go through Dubai airport or Abu Dhabi airport or all that smoking rooms, they're full of men smoking mm. like with like chimneys. Mm. Okay, and uh, when here also when when I used to have Arab neighbors in the apartments, the kachrawalas used to, the garbage collectors used to love going to their house because every day he got these so many bottles, and bottles they sell. So you always have this this very ignorant feeling that if somebody is so lawful law no that you don't drink you don't smoke and all and i suddenly realize it's not a tr- it's not a truth but let me tell you now that you have come through you have children god bless you all these eight children and you are you well to do i guess mates everything and now you have to change you have to change according to the word of god the god of word of god there is Remember, scripture says in John 1.17, grace and truth came with Jesus Christ, both, not only truth. We are not changing according to the law. We are changing according to God, because Mm. God is truth. And the power of the Holy Spirit is grace that causes you to change. So both of you have to change. And uh, you need to lose weight. Uh, 
because of health reasons. Okay, and I need to talk to your husband too. Your husband is listening. Let me tell you, you love the person. You love the person. Like today, one of my kids from the church in her phone, uh, phone sent uh, so many pictures of my wife which they had taken five or six years ago. So I was looking at the pictures. I said, oh wow, where did all these pictures come up? And Pastor Vijay also was looking. Oh, Samal looks so beautiful. The problem, the actual fact of the matter is that if you look, ask any married man, I don't know, it's true about me, what does your wife look like? He doesn't remember. Because the outward looks has already gone. You know that person as a person mm. and not the outward looks. So one of the two things will happen. Either you like that person or you dislike that person. If you dislike that person, it doesn't matter how gorgeous she is. It will become irrelevant. On the other hand, if you love that person, it doesn't matter if she is fat. Mm. This is marriage. This is marriage. Okay, so, and I'm talking to men too. So please understand that, and women too. We don't look, so that's why sometimes my wife gets upset. You didn't see my outfit. I said, oh, I didn't, I didn't notice. I didn't notice. Because you're always, you're so comfortable, familiar with the person. With the person, not the outward person outward person. And sometimes women will say, why are you looking at the girl? Because the reason is that we are looking at the outward person and we are not interested in the inside person. And of course, today what happens, the girls are dressed in such a way that it is like craving for your attention. But you need to realize, with our wives, we know them as persons and we do not know them so much like the Outward person. So even when I looked at the pictures, I was like, oh really? Did you really look like this five years ago? I had forgotten what you looked like when you had straightened your hair and all that. I had forgotten what you looked like because you know what? When a husband and a wife is married and the marriage is, even if it is not like terrible, even if it is generally okay, generally okay, where you getting along pretty fine, you're growing as persons. Amen. Together as persons. And what happens is that you should lose weight for your health Health. sake. Okay, health sake. So I uh, would tell the husband, doesn't matter if she's overweight, it does not matter. And then uh, he won't understand. Also other thing that men and women, when we talk about openness, it is not talking about everything. We don't want to know everything. (laughs) It'll be so boring. I mean, so a waste of time. We are talking about certain things, certain things. And you yourself would would know. Every man knows, every woman knows, should I tell this to my husband or not? You know it very well. Okay, And those are the things you need to tell. The things you don't want to tell are the things you need to tell. Okay, you need to tell because you know that if he knows or she knows, it would affect our relationship. It would affect our relationship. That is what we are talking about. So finally, when he found out, once we got saved, he told me to ask you if I'm right or wrong to lie. You don't. I'm, if he asks you a direct question about it, don't lie. Mm-hmm. Don't lie. But like I said, there is a saying, I always come back to that, which I learned in my Malayalam class in school, that in Sanskrit, my Malayalam teacher explained that verse in Malayalam, which means that uh, whatever you say should be the truth. But whatever is the truth, you don't have to say it. Because it does not help you. Amen. No? So sometimes we as men uh, may not tell you everything. 
because we are wise enough to know you are differently made. You are weaker vessels. So sometimes we may tell you later after the whole situation has been handled. If I tell my wife, it's because she is a praying woman. So I'm not telling her so that she needs to know. I tell her because she needs to pray about it. It's a different. So men whose wives are strong, praying women, they may tell them because they know the sister, the wife will uphold this issue in prayer. Otherwise, I wouldn't tell. Hmm. I wouldn't tell because I look at her and say, oh my gosh, if I were to tell her, she will go crazy. She will be upset. She will be crying for two days. So let me handle that situation. And after everything is over, I tell you, Ani, do you know what? Something like this happened. Really? What happened? No, do you know that our child did this at school? Really? I will kill him now. No, no, it's all over. <laughs> it's all handled. It's okay. I went to the school. I met the principal. It's all settled. I also talked to him. Okay. You know, so depending upon each one need to know their spouse and need to handle it that way. So we don't want, need to share everything if it is irrelevant. So case by case, home by home, you have to handle it. And then let me tell you, like, you know, because uh, these are newly, newly saved men. To those men also, I will tell you, now that you are saved, <coughs> ask God also to deal with your natural instincts. Okay, natural instincts. Let's, shall we go to First Corinthians chapter 7, the beginning. So let me talk to you, newly saved but married husbands and wives for many years. General principle for believing husbands and wives, not abuse you husbands and crazy wives. Okay. <laughs> Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Come down further. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. Now this is talking about the sexual life. Okay, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Why? Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of Self-control, but I say this as a concession, not as a commandment. So the Bible is very clear, okay? And please remember, sisters, men are visual creatures and you are not. You are not visual creatures. Men are visual creatures. And when they go out into this terrible world in the way things have changed, they get tempted all the time. <clears throat> so God is telling the sisters over here, see that Satan does not tempt your husband. But husbands also need to put blinkers on their eyes, ask God to help you through it all. But this is said over there. But also let me tell you to the men sitting over there listening, God is talking about sex. He's not talking about perversion. Hmm. Talking about sex and not talking about perversion. So be very, very, very clear that when God is talking about sex, he also has mentioned about what it is. By telling us what perversion is. So by telling us what is perversion, you know what is right. And stick to that in your marriage bed and keep it that way. Second thing, let me talk to men. Because I hope children are not watching. There are a lot of things men need to know. Men are visual creatures. Because men are visual creatures, they can get excited. 
and be 10 minutes later it is over but women are not created that way so when i counsel young couples i will tell we use the term in english we use the word raw word i used as sex but the the uh, nice way to say it is we say making love okay mm-hmm. so i tell the men making love doesn't happen at night it begins in the morning by the way you talk that's how you prepare your woman because she is a, not a visual creature she is being created differently by god so she needs to be talked to so that she is ready with her body at night a lot of men do not understand it and then at night when they ask for sex and have sex the woman feels used because she doesn't feel loved because she is not like us she has been made differently so you should flirt with her at your tea time in the morning talk to her send her some some crazy texts and all that's how you do it and they will love it they will they are they are feeling they are not an object that you are loving them as a person that you love and appreciate their body too otherwise what happens when you suddenly 10 minutes before going to sleep you turn around and says i want to have sex they feel used so men understand this please all men that's how things work read the song of solomon you will see oh that's all court it's like two doves sitting and going coo 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 all over there going over there why did god put it all over over there in the entire one entire book in the bible you know why because he created us and he knows what we are amen he is the manufacturer Hallelujah. okay and we are the products so go to the manufacturer's manual look at it and function that way otherwise it is malfunction <laughs> and sometimes the fuse burns pastor can we look at the tougher question now? yes we are at 9 o'clock let's go to the tougher questions so question number 11 it's uh, oh, 11 okay i'm from a hindu background accepted christ before marriage married a christian and have a child my questions are many when it comes to women in the bible sometimes i feel my misunderstanding of certain aspects of god is giving a different view about god and is hindering my walk with god hence these questions mm-hmm. first one does god love women mm-hmm. i know there are greek no gentile uh, uh, no slave or this thing no man but does he love god, women and man equally or man is better loved than woman because he is the head no god loves actually god loves women more mm-hmm. I'm not saying it scripturally I'm talking about the way a father shows affection to a daughter and a son. Okay. Mothers are tougher with daughters and gentle with sons. Fathers are gentle with daughters and tougher with sons. So God is a father. Hmm, sometimes I feel he flips over to that side. No, he's he's God. Okay. <laughs> so he loves both men and women the same way he does. he does okay there is no difference but he has created us differently so he treats us differently i believe if you look if I, i'll tell you a simple example in the bible if you go to genesis you don't have to go there if you go to john chapter 3 you will see a man coming to see jesus in the night if you go to john chapter 4 jesus going all the way in the heat to meet a woman and he is a father treating a son and a daughter differently Okay. That woman is 
like in secular terms, worldly terms is not worth wasting your time on. But father loves all his daughters. Five, five times married, divorced, six times living in sin. And he goes all the way. And he's very, if you look at the women, he treats the women gentle. through it all. He's very, very gentle. Very gentle. Even if it's a woman caught in adultery, he knows he made them. So, you know, they are differently made. Differently made. So, he treats them differently. So, no. Second, yeah. Women are faced with so many things like abuse, betrayal, insults, etc. more than men. have faced sadly... These sadly from Christians, Christians and Lord relatives, others, Christian friends more so than my own Hindu family. So being a weaker vessel as God says, why does he allow such things to happen to Christian women and not deliver them even after praying for years? I don't have a loving relationship with my father or husband and find it difficult to relate to God at times as loving father and sometimes struggle to understand why God won't deliver or protect from such people. Okay, so here I will... I will look at that, which is true. You see, always you will see when anything is weaker and it's a living thing, a weaker thing, you will always face abuse from the stronger. That is what happened after sin came in. The sin nature, it's, it's, the sin nature works that way. Abuse, betrayal, it does not sanctify, it justifies it, there's nothing right about it, but it's the warped nature of man after the fall. And you will see it in a lot of homes and marriages. And yes, you have faced it sadly from Christian in-laws, but it is there in every community. Okay, in those Muslims, Christians, everywhere it is there. In some religion, it is even sanctioned to whip a woman. Okay. But the question is, being a weaker vessel, as God says, why does he allow such things to happen to Christian women? The reason is that he's not allowing. Right now, he's not interfering day to day into everybody's life. He's given man the free will, and man has to choose. Our, our issue is this. Let me tell you, a lot of people have issue with God not in immediately intervening in a situation that is unjust. The problem is God has set a day for it all. All injustice will be dealt. It's called the day of judgment. The issue is that when God is sitting, like he's sitting, put in terms on the Supreme Court of the universe, it's a single judge bench. If he has to intervene on one situation, he has to intervene on every, every situation. situation. Yes. He has to. That's how it goes. He has to intervene. None of us would want it. Yes. Because the day he does it, judgment is set. There is no backing out of it. That means not only your husband's abuse, every known and unknown sin of yours also will be judged. Everything will be judged. The problem is we magnify certain sins and they have to be magnified because there is violence and abuse in it. That does not mean on the day of judgment the small things will be ignored. Everything. Bible says even the intents and the thoughts of your heart will be laid bare before God and man will be judged for everything. Your thought, your intent, your word, your deed, everything will be judged. So till that time, God in his incredible mercy and patience is giving mankind time to repent and keep on changing. And the thing is that praying for deliverance is one thing. Walking in your deliverance is another thing. Mm. Okay, walking in your deliverance is another thing. So you have to, sometimes you have to do what things, scripture says, like I say, if it's an unbelievably physically abuse you, 
Like today, the letters and all I got today, the text with, I mean, from within Hyderabad, different, not our church. My gosh, if it's from GTC Hyderabad, I'll smack you. Okay, do not allow a man or a woman to behave that way in our church. It is not acceptable. And if any of you are facing violence in your marriages, your husband is beating you up or your wife is cursing you and using foul language, please let me know. Okay, it's an absolutely no-no. We do not allow that to happen and we are there as your spiritual parents to protect you and help you through that. But all the other churches, the letters I got today, the texts I got asking for prayer. You know, today, one of the husbands actually used a knife and cut his wife. You know, that's what I, that's what I said in the beginning. Once this lockdown is over, a lot of marriages will break up. They will leave. And I would, I would say, what recourse do you have? You have to leave to save your life and save your children. You know, because this is a time when people are going crazy. And this lockdown has revealed one thing, either the strength of your marriage or the weakness of your marriage. Because God said, I will shake everything that can be shaken. But he said it first, judgment will begin in his house. And judgment does not mean uh, in the terms of punishment. But judgment mean, also means in the terms of exposure. Because when the judgment is being read out, also the evidence is being presented, this is what. So he's exposing marriages, how shaky you were. Yes, those days you dressed in your suit and your gown and everything before made, but everything was a fraud. And now God is exposing his force so that he can heal you. But to take healing, both people have to agree. And if both people don't agree, what will happen ultimately is practical thing is separation will take place. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that's ultimately what will happen. Because you cannot continue in a physically abusive situation where a husband keeps on beating his wife up and cutting her. And I don't want to use that term, but marital rape happening every day, all kind of crazy stuff happening. I mean... And they call themselves Christians. I don't know. Are they Christians or are they belong to the church of Satan? I don't know which church they belong to or why do they even go to church. So you need, your, some of you people know you need deliverance. So you what happens, your husband was abuse you, your father was abuse you. Of course you will struggle with Father God. But God is not that. Please let me don't. And a lot of people struggle with this concept of a father who art in heaven. I've seen people freeze because all they can remember is an incredibly abusive father and the abusive husband. And then you try to come and talk about God as a father and Jesus as your spouse. And they say, we freeze. They're not able to go ahead in your relationship. And I understand that. And God will deliver you of it. Neither God the Father nor Jesus is anything like you imagine. They're most kind-hearted, compassionate, loving, merciful people you will ever encounter in your life. So don't take these pictures and put it. Ask God to reveal himself to you and deliver you and heal you from these wounds. And yes, God will protect you and he will, he will deliver you, but you may have to take steps for your deliverance, which may be heart-wrenching, which may be the end of your dream as having a home and all that. And you should be prepared for that. Because that's the only thing the Bible suggests where there is violence talks about separation and then reconciliation after counseling. No. What is being submissive to husband? Is it not having an opinion and becoming a robot? I see a lot of men, men abusing their authority with women and with that verse and gone, and I got, and I've gone through it myself. Why do they go scot-free? Will God not question them? And as you mentioned the other day through, through submissions, they might change. No, pro, no promise. 
uh, etc. Then is it better not to marry, as a, as the New Testament says, instead of counseling couples before marrying? Is it not is it not better to counsel not to marry? Yeah, both that that we preach in our church Absolutely. too. We mm-hmm. make it very clear first: ask God, should I marry or not? Mm-hmm. And after that, ask whom I should marry. That's some simple thing we call because this is not an ideal or anything in mm-hmm. these last days. But the problem is, people men misunderstand what submission is. Submission, submit to God in all things as unto the Lord. But that is talking to a man who submitted to God. Mm. The problem is, how can you, how can you drive through the city in a vehicle by keeping one traffic law? Can you do that? No way. No, all the other laws don't apply to me. I know only one traffic law. I will keep that. Yeah, you will end up in jail. A lot of men don't read their Bible. They have no personal life with God. They have never submitted to the headship of Jesus Christ. And they demand submission from their wives. Okay. And then the, their demands are totally unscriptural. Basically saying the woman does not even have an opinion. You know, lots of people talk. Men have heard men talk nonsense. Let's imagine you know, this is my wife and I am talking about. You know, we are discussing politics. And I'm telling my wife, you know what? You need to agree with my politics. You have no opinion in that matter. No, that's ridiculous. Unless those things are actually detrimental to life. Detrimental to life. Some of those opinions are detrimental to life and you're going to make decisions about it. Okay? You can have your own economic view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can have your political view, history view. This thing. But that is not what men think. Men think that if you are submitting to me, then you have no opinions. You cannot think on your own. You don't have the freedom to have your own mind. I have my, I will think for both of us. That's not what it is talking about, submission. Submission is talking about things that are connected with home and life. And uh, when there is a disagreement, I'm sorry, honey, I have made my decision. You have to go along with it. Mm. That is what it's talking about. Okay, that is what it is talking about. But otherwise, you hear both ways. And I will always say these rules apply to godly men and women. Mm-hmm. Men who are submitted to God, women who are submitted to God. And then, because before you come to Ephesians 5.23, that's where it says, right? Yes. Before that is Ephesians 5.22. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. As on, can you put it up there? 2 right. and 22 and 23. Then we will understand how it falls into place. 21 and 22. Submitting to one another in the The fear fear of God. God. Meaning, this is a husband who is controlled by the fear of God. Fear of God is very clean. It is the fear of God that keeps you from sinning. So, abusive husband has no fear of God anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay? Submitting. Abusive wife has no fear of God anyway. So, first God is saying, submit to one another in the fear Fear of God. God. Meaning, you fear God. So, you are very careful about your dealings with each other. Okay? You don't want judgment of God coming into your homes. Then it says, wives, submit your own husbands as unto the Lord. So, you have to look at the format in which it is talking about and then fit into it and keep growing into it. You know? And then the counseling. Okay? But the problem is, you see, when a couple comes... For counseling, let me tell you what happens to us as pastors in many cases. The couple comes to us and says, we have heard from the Lord. 
As far as I know, there is only the God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and there is no fourth one. I am not the fourth one. In many cases, when people come and say, the Lord told me, then I said, okay, what do you want me to say now? The Lord told you. The Lord has already spoken to you, then I have nothing further to add. Now I will try to explain to you further on the road what you need to do. Okay, so please understand that too, one counseling, two counseling, it's not going to change your entire, that is why this entire church service, our church especially is every day, especially now 42 days, other than that every Sunday, Wednesday, we teach you, teach you, what are we teaching you? To walk with God. Because if you walk with God, you can walk with one another. Yes. The primary thing is if a man learns to walk with God and the woman learns to walk with God, they can walk together easily yes. because they have come into agreement. God man is not God. trying to say, you agree with me. The woman is not saying, agree with me. God is saying, you agree with me. Amen. Agree with me. You know, Agree with me. And a marriage starts functioning. It works. Yet you will have issues. And issues have to be there because that is how jagged rocks become smooth stones. Mm-hmm. Marriage is the entire process of marriage is... Uh, uh, by which uh, people grow in their salvation. God has put that. That's the most crucial relationship on earth. Yet, I will tell you, wipe out all these crazy expectations you have got from movies. Okay? Revelation 21 is the only true movie. And it is not movie, it's real life. They lived happily forever, ever after. That is Revelation 21. Before that, they fight, forgive, repent. All those things happen. Yes. Abigail got another life. Why didn't Tamar get it? No, Tamar did get a life. It was, it was, it was nothing to do with Tamar. It had to do with her father-in-law. Mm-hmm. The father-in-law did not want to see that she was married. And then she had two children and that was her life. And Jesus acknowledges her act of faith and includes her son Perez into his family line. You know? And the final question is, finally, is God only concerned about character and not emotional and physical well-being of women? That's part of your character. That's part of your character. Okay. You see, you cannot put God into a box and say, this is what you need. You have your free will. The problem is that we in our free will have made our choices and we did not make our choices in consultation with God or according to his word of God. Then we run into a mess. We always want God to be a troubleshooter. No. And that's, that's, that God, thank God he hears our prayers and shoots our troubles, if you want to put it that way. No. But uh, that is, that was never God's original order for man. It's a dysfunctional home. Children grow up in dysfunctional homes. They dis- become dysfunctional adults. Then they marry another dysfunctional man. You have another dysfunctional family. And through it all, you say you have been praying for 13 years. That is not the point. The point is, have you been changing in 13 years? Have you been praying according to Jesus was asked, teach us to pray. And immediately his response was, thy name, thy will thy kingdom. So I would ask this sister, let me ask you this question. You say you have been praying for 13 years about a specific issue in your marriage, but that's not my question to you. Have you been praying always that in everything that you do, the name of Jesus Christ is hallowed and exalted in your life? That is prayer. Did you ask and seek the will of God in everything that you do in your life? That is praying. Did you always say, let thy kingdom come, that is righteousness, peace be in in my kingdom, in my life, every day in your life. That is praying. 
It is not asking God, I want to lead my life my way, but you intervene in my problems. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being tough. Because I get, I get upset that people always blame God for the problems in their life and not blame Satan. Satan is the one who creates the problems in everybody's life, not God. God is not responsible for any evil. He is not even tempted by evil. He is holy. He is godly. Every trouble I faced in my life, I will tell you honestly before the camera, I made the choice yes. in my free will. And I will never blame God. Never blame God. God never did. I will always thank, go back to God and say, thank you, you pulled me out of those pits so many times. You see, we always put the fault on the wrong person. God is not even tempted. You you go and show that verse, James chapter 1. One verse 12. Verse 12. It's absolutely clear because what is happening in our lives is evil. And God is not the creator of the evil. So never ever even. Blessed is, yeah. Yeah, it goes on, Pastor. Yeah, next one. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God is one God, our God who is untouched by evil. Okay? So we have to go first to God and acknowledge yourself. That is how I, I, how I, I have come out of my crisis. Every time, I'll tell you, once I was counseling uh, a sister, and she had married, um, she came from a Christian background, unlike you, you come from a Hindu background to a Christian background. This sister had come from a Christian background and married a Hindu. She married a Hindu and she was a believer at that time. She married a Hindu and after marrying, she, to please her husband, she left her faith and she's married with children and the family is an absolute total mess. He's alcoholic, abusive, doesn't take care of the family, everything. And now when she's coming for counseling, she wants prayer to settle the problem. I said, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So do you know when you need to go back to God? She said, ask when. I said, you go back to God the day you got married and ask for forgiveness. I went against your will. That's where you start. It's not says, please make my husband sober. I said, that's, that's using God as a troubleshooter, not praying to him as God. I said, you need to go back straight all the way back. You know where it began? The day you went and crossed against God's will for you. You knew very well. God had said it very clear. You cannot marry an unbeliever. That's where your trouble started. Your troubles. Go all the way back there. Humble yourself before God. I'm not saying that your marriage, he will ask you to leave. I won't do any of the things. He sanctions marriages after it has happened, even with an unbeliever. He will not tell you to leave. But now you need to go back there and then start from there saying, Lord, I goofed up. I made a mistake. I was responsible. Why? I was a believer. Hmm. I was the believer. And he was not. So whichever case it is, okay, if it is a man, and you have a problem in your marriage, and you look and see, even if it is your wife who is the problem, and if you are listening, I am telling you, you are the head of the house. And if you are the head of the house, you need to have the guts to go before God and say, Lord, even though this is what is happening, I take responsibility. Why? Because I am the head. You know why? Eve was deceived. She ate the fruit. She gave it to Adam. And when Christ came in, he never asked Eve a question. He went straight to Adam and said, where are you? Hmm. Who told you? What have you done? You think God did not know? God knew everything. But he went to headship. He said, you were the head. So I hold you accountable for what has happened in your home. Though your wife is responsible. And no man will take that responsibility. 
So God had to come out on as man and hang on the cross and he stretches out his hand and says, Dad, I am one man who will take responsibility for all the mess the woman has done. The church is a woman. And men also have to stand up and say that, you Lord, I take responsibility. See, God is not coming to condemn us. God is coming to deliver us. Mm. And he cannot deliver us until we fall in line with his righteousness. Amen. God could have delivered Adam and Eve. They never acknowledged their guilt. You look through the entire chapter 3, you will never see one of them saying, I'm sorry, I goofed up. They passed the buck, 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 passed the buck. Why was David, in spite of all the junk he did, delivered by God in an instant? Because he, deep from within, he said, Lord, I alone am responsible. I have sinned. He didn't say Bethsaida. She was bathing in the oven. I am a man. I am a visual creature. I got entered. He didn't say anything. He said, I have sinned. And you read Psalm 51. Against you and you alone I have sinned. And you are absolutely right when you judge me. And God delivered it. And to sisters and brothers, whatever you are going through, don't begin from the abuse part. Don't begin from that. These are all results of what happened after the marriage. Ask the Holy Spirit where you need to go back. <laughs> go back. And from there, go to God and say, Lord, I accept my, my. That's how I came through. My mess my life. I went to go back and said, I don't blame Lord. I was the head. I was the man. I made the decision. Therefore all that has gone wrong, I accept fault. And I said, God says, walk free. And I still walk free. Walk free. Freedom is something. What is freedom? What is liberty? True liberty is the freedom to walk with God in your situation. Amen. That is liberty. Your, your, your situation doesn't constrain you. Your heart should be free. Joseph was not constrained by the bonds of slavery. Or the chains of a prisoner. He was a free man walking with God. So don't look at your situation alone. You want true freedom? Us. We have a living God. That's why he's called a living God. We have the Holy Spirit. Go to the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, God, Holy Spirit, God will never condemn you. He will show you. He will convict you. And he will tell you, this is where you went wrong. Confess it before God and say, Lord, I am sorry. Forgive me. And I will say, the restoration will begin for you. I'm not saying he will restore your marriage. I'm not telling you that. I'm not saying he will change your husband. No, I'm saying he will set you free. You free. It may not happen for the other person at all, but that's not the point. You are free. And then you will realize suddenly your prayers are being answered. Suddenly he is calmed down. He is quiet or he just backs up and he leaves. You are being set free. But you need to go back and ask. I don't know. Each of these cases you have written, so many different cases. I don't know where it is. You may have to go all the way back. All the way back. And as you grow in your liberty, God will also show you areas in your life. And you have to be open with your ears because liberty is a continuous process. You walk in more and more and more liberty. And he can take you all the way back to things in your past and says, you know, there was a bond over there. Break it off. And you break it off and you are even more free. So our walk of salvation, what we call sanctification, is a walk of moving more and more into liberty. And that's what God promises you. He may not change your outer situation at all, but he will break your bonds. And that's a promise I can give you from the word of God. Yes, Pastor Vijay. The last question on this issue, Pastor, it's a little not very clear. My name is so-and-so. Question number 13. 13. Yeah. I'm married to... I'm out follow and I need help. It's an arranged marriage, too much to handle. I go to some church. Please. It's pray. all from Hyderabad, okay? Please pray. 
That's all she says. Let me read three. I will read three of it. All three came in from three different churches in the city. Please pray for me. I need a breakthrough in my mind. I've been playing with the Oja board, also playing with monsters on the computer. I met you one time with my parents. I'm into deep occult. Pray for my deliverance. My name is so and so. I'm married to a mad fellow. I need help. Arrange marriage, too much to handle and deal. I go to this church, please pray. This is my name. I became a Christian in that particular church. I know you, sir. Met you in one meeting, sir. I'm an alco- I'm an alcoholic, sir. I beat my wife every day, sir. I want to stop, sir. I get mad so much and angry too much. Then... We hear voices telling us to jump off the fifth floor. Once delivered, we should be set free. We only listen to your messages. We only listen to your prayers all day and night. Why do we go through these bouts of depression? All the crazy thoughts in our minds. One day is good. One day it is horrible. So you have all these cases. Let me tell you what most of you or all of you in this case one two three four five six cases are going through is real demonic attack and the reason the demonic attack is going through is because you open doors hmm. you open doors and uh, you need deliverance you need deliverance sadly you go to churches which don't do it don't believe in it and that's why i was talking about it. Well, let's leave it that aside i'm talking to you about real problems you need to realize that a couple of things let me tell you. You you have this word called family. And actually it is from the word uh, family you have the term familiar. Familiar means which you are recognizable. Okay, so meaning family members all look alike. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they are familiar to the eye. So you have family, you have familiar, you have familiar spirits. So spirits also operate in groups. Mm. And many of you open doors and one door opened, one came in, another came in, another came in. So alcohol came in, abuse came in, anger came in, violence came in. These are all familiar spirits. You are coming in and you need to realize you also may have, if, if some of you look at it, like some of you or many of you, I'm telling you very, very, it's a very sad affair is that, you no. Know, like I said, the East India Company did not come here to rule or anything. They came to trade. They were traders. They were merchants. They were Babylonians. Britishers, but Babylonians in spirit. And Babylon is built on the traffic of souls and bodies. These are the guys who came in and started the lodges in every city. Wherever you go, you will see the lodge. Hmm. And there you will see they had all their secret rituals and all. And it is all demonic what is happening over there. And so first set of people and all who were subsequently in the lodge were all Christians. Because the East India Company people, Britishers were Christians and the first converts over there and to keep. And they have their uniforms and name and this thing and all. So business people and engineers and musicians and all went to the lodge. They were all Christians. But they were very secretive about it. Very, very secretive about it. They kept quiet about it. But the problem is the subsequent generations are suffering because of it. It has passed down to the suffering subsequent generations. And therefore, you know what? It is family iniquity that has passed down. And then the Hindus also started going, the Muslims also, and all well-to-do, all well-to-do, name recognizable, big people are all part of it, and it has happened. And if you notice, 
you trip very badly during certain seasons. Sometimes, beginning of the month, end of the month, you, you are in bad shape, middle you are able to manage. If you go to Psalm 121, Psalm 121. I want you to read Psalm 121 along with me, wherever you are. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Why is all this being talked about slumber and sleep? The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Now look at verse 6. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Do you really think he's talking about sun and moon? How does the moon strike you by night? It's not talking about the heat or not. Because these are the demonic rituals that take place. There are certain rituals that take place in day, which is to the sun god, or the demons are invoked. The rest of them are done through the, during the moon. And certain, the crescent moon, the full moon. I will tell you, many of you are tripping, you are hearing voices and all, because Thursday, 7th, is the final super blood moon of this year, 2020. And everybody is tripping already. You are all tripping. It is from the term moon, lunar, you have the term lunatic. Mm-hmm. Okay, you need to realize this is all got to do with the occult and the demonic and you're all suicidal. You want to kill yourself, you want to throw from the fifth floor, you are hearing voices and all. But God has given you a promise and you have to confess it. And some of you have altered personalities and you have, this is one thing I never wanted to get into. But the problem is you have to learn to deal with your altered personalities. You have to. If you, if, let me ask, you know what I am telling, others may not understand. But those of you are in, if the core personality is saved, the core has to start confessing all these things. Repent and confess these things, especially verse 6. The sun shall not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. And go further down. The Lord shall preserve. You have to make it personal. You have to make it personal. Don't read it like a psalm. I don't read it as a psalm. You have to make it personal. The Lord shall preserve me from all evil. He will preserve my soul. The Lord will preserve my going out and my coming in from this time forth and evermore. My going out and coming in. All those who are or were taken or became part of the occult and the Freemason rituals and who have altered personalities, confess six and eight over and over again meaning you are telling God my altar will not come out and take me to the fifth floor or the fourth floor or that floor Lord I am hanging on to you you will preserve my going out and your coming in according to your situation you have to use the scripture to stop the demonic taking over because this is a long drawn out process because you will have altars which have codes which have been programmed which have demons demons covering them and you get agitated and the voices you are hearing is the demons speaking the altars inside you so the way you do it is if you really really come through to the lord you have to go the problem is so many of you i'm telling you honestly so many of you want dignity and not deliverance and i really struggle to help you out because you want dignity. I'm not talking to the dear ones in U.S. You have come out. You have come out and you are you are more willing to come out and be open about it. But there are a lot of people over here. You will never get delivered. It's a stupid Indian system. You want dignity. You want to pretend you are free when you are a slave inside. I'm telling you, you'll never be free. You'll have to be willing to give up your dignity. And some of your men will never do it because you don't have the guts to tell your wives what you did and why your children are like this. You don't have the guts. 
and you trip and you trip and you trip and you beat up your wife, you beat up your children, you go crazy. Because I am not putting a general principle, every man who does this is gone to the Lord's No. There are many who do it because they are alcoholic and abuse you by nature. But I am talking about the other side too. Some of you need to give up your dignity if you want your deliverance. And ask God to really, really intervene in your soul. And ask the altars to go down. Really go down and ask God to close it. Only he can do it. You know what I am talking about. If you have any doubts about what Freemasonry is, take a one dollar note that is a foundation of US currency and therefore their economy. Turn the reverse and look at the pyramid and the eye of it. That is not God's eye. It's the Egyptian God Horus's eye. Look down and count how many stories are there in the pyramid. There are 13 stories in the pyramid and every one of you went to the lodge. You have 13 realms deep inside and when you don't listen to your master, they pull you down and they torture you. That's why you are afraid. Only God can help you. Nobody else can help you. But he will if you call upon him. What he will do is that he will take all the altars to the lower level. Only the saved one kept at the first level. He will close one and two. But you have to ask to send your ministering angel to stand guard over there and close it. And you will have freedom. But you will have to confess. And many of you will have to leave your ministry. You want to hold on to your ministry and secretly you are struggling. I am telling you it ain't going to happen. You cannot be in Christian ministry preaching and have and be part of the occult. You will struggle all your life because you bring that power of your your people to whom you minister. So some of you need to really, really, really go to God, repent, ask for deliverance. He will deliver you. He will deliver you. But this is the only way. This is the only way. But for the other dear ones who are struggling in US and all, Please pray this over and you will not ask those words. You command in Jesus' name. Say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I command every voice that is not of God to be silent in my mind. I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over my soul, over my body. You have to believe the blood of Jesus works. It's one thing the devil hates so much. That is the blood, the name and the word. Ask literally, Lord, let your blood, the blood of your precious son that was shed for me on the cross, let it flood through my soul. Flow into every hidden area of my soul. Let it flood every area of my soul. Drive out every hidden demon. Even if I'm speaking, I know you are probably starting to manifest. Let the blood of Jesus flow into every crevice. It's a spiritual realm. Into every area of my soul, hidden memories, hidden demons. Demons can hide anywhere. They're spiritual beings. So you have to pray and I'm praying with you now. Let the blood of Jesus flow into every area of your soul. Flood those areas, O oh Lord, the blood of Jesus. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit follow, Lord, sanctifying every area. There is no hiding place for any demon in my soul, in my altars. Let them be all be leaving now, Lord. Let every voice Cease, Father, in these dear ones who are agreeing with you now, Lord. Let them have a clear night, Lord. They will not, they will not trip. They will not trip. They will not trip. This is a spiritual war, oh Lord. And I pray they will every day confess the prayer we gave them on Sunday and Psalm 121. They will pray. They will confess. This is a battle. And in the battle, God has already spoken to you, over you. Every child of God, you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You are not standing and starting from a point of defeat. You are standing and starting from a point of victory in Christ Jesus.
in Christ Jesus. And so many of you are afraid to come out because you are crippled by the spirit of shame and the spirit of guilt. Let me tell you, he was stripped. He took the shame upon himself. He endured the shame upon the cross and he took your guilt. You don't have to allow the spirit of guilt and the shame to cripple you because of the terrible things you did sexually and other things. You are crippled by guilt and crippled by shame. Either you can carry it or hand it over to Jesus because he carried it for you. You know, sin and righteousness. Shame, God takes your shame away and he gives you his glory. That's why the Bible says he will have many sons of glory he will bring forth. So you have to allow God. When Adam and Eve sinned, what left was glory and what the devil gave them was fear and shame. On the cross, Christ became shame for us so that he will restore his glory back to us so that we are covered by his glory in the inner man so that these voices won't trouble you. You have to believe these things and confess the work of Jesus Christ. That's why I said the devil hates it. He hates you walking in the truth. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. According to your situations, each one will be different. According to your situations, the Holy Spirit will show you, go to the appropriate scripture and speak the blood and speak the scripture back to the enemy and you and do not fear. That is why scripture says they did not love their lives even unto death because that is his weapon. Jesus has overcome death so don't even fear that and I'm telling you, you can walk in victory. So we are closing for this tonight but I will pray now. And all of you are struggling now, the wives who are abused, the men who are going suicidal, the sisters who are hearing voices and want to jump to every one of you. I am by faith lifting each one of you to God, the living God, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. We come to you not begging and crawling. We come to you as your sons and daughters, O oh Lord. Yes, Father, these, these, these many of them have no clue how they ended up this way, Lord. They have no clue how they ended up this way. It's iniquity passed down from generation to generation, dabbling in the occult of Father, taken willingly, unwillingly. We have no clue, Father, but this is not the time. To discuss those things, O oh Father, for you are not a God who condemns, you are a God who comes to set the captives free, O oh Lord. So Father, now I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I command every demonic entity, every spirit of suicide to leave in Jesus' name. Every one of you. In this city first. We'll start from our Jerusalem. This is our city. The young man, two young men and two sisters. I command the spirit of suicide to leave in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. You will leave in Jesus' name. I command every abusive, unclean spirit, violent spirit, spirits of anger to leave those houses in Jesus' name. I plead the blood of Jesus. I speak the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus against you. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You cannot stand the blood. I speak the blood. Leave these lives and these homes in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, all the sisters, dear ones everywhere who are wallowing in guilt and shame, I pray, Father, by the blood of Jesus, you will wipe them clean. And I pray they will experience the glory of God covering their souls again, O Lord. 
Christ in us is the hope of our glory. Cover them with your glory, Lord, that they will not walk in shame and guilt anymore, oh Father. I pray, Father, the moon will have no effect on them. The sun will have no effect on them. The rituals will have no effect on them. The spells will have no effect on them. Programmings will have no effect on them. The codes will have no effect on them. Every demon that has been released, I command you to go back to your masters in Jesus' name now. All of you will leave these dear ones and go back to your masters. You will not come near them. And I speak rest to those who are in Hyderabad. I speak rest. I speak rest. Receive the rest of the Lord. Father God, I pray you would watch over them. And you would keep them. And they would rest tonight, Lord, without trouble. Command that spirit of alcoholism to leave in Jesus' name. You will not drink tonight. You will not need drugs to go to sleep. You will not have to knock yourself out. No. The God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, our God, your God will give you rest. Because he said he gives his beloved rest. Cling on to him and he will give you rest. Sleep tonight in rest. We'll fight this battle one day at a time. One day at a time. When you are troubled, replay this part of that message over and over again. And play the songs that are connected with the blood of Jesus. Play it over and over and again in your house. Fill it with songs. Fill it with scripture. And the voices will cease. Do not allow the voices to speak. Exercise your authority as a child of God. First promise. These signs shall follow those who believe. They shall cast out demons. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I speak healing. I speak wholeness. I speak, Father, strength into the lives of all your children everywhere, O Lord. And I pray many will come out and they too will be used by you to set others free, O Father. Because that's your entire purpose, an overcoming army of the living God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We commit everything into the hands. We plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves, our church here, our churches everywhere, our little children Everyone, Lord, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over everyone, Lord. And we speak healing into everybody and we speak wholeness into every soul, Lord. Lead us by your spirit. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.